0: Hey there, it's Greg Otten, and you're listening to episode 51 of the Maritime Gardening Podcast. Well, folks, I'm flying solo here, and uh, I've got, I got some things planned. I plan to do some interviews. I'm just trying to get that uh, lined up and get uh, different uh, gardening personalities uh, nailed down to specific times where they can show up. But uh, the next couple episodes, uh, it'll just be me. So hopefully uh, I can be entertaining enough uh, to uh, hold interest. Today what I'm gonna talk about is uh, this idea that you can just buy a garden. Um, I've seen uh, neighbors try this, and uh, lots of people do this and this. I think this is what most people do. Uh, they, they don't have a garden, and they say, oh, I want a garden, uh, it'd be great to have a garden, I want a raised bed garden, or whatever they wanna do. And uh, they'll go and get some sort of kit um, at a hardware store, or they'll buy some, wood and make a little box and then they'll buy a whole bunch of bags of this uh, stuff called soil um, at a garden center and they'll stick the soil in there and they'll try to grow a garden for the first time in their lives and they they might have decent results that year they might have um, you know uh, not ideal results Uh, Very, you know varying levels of results depending on what they choose to plant and how well suited it is for their particular growing conditions and also just how easy it is to grow or how hard it is to grow but i think invariably what a lot of people find is that the next year uh, the garden isn't that great so what they're finding is that it's 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 relatively hit or miss in terms of uh, how successful those gardens are and i would say that the reason for this is that you don't buy gardens you you build a garden it's you develop a garden you work with the soil to get to a point where you have a good garden. And I, I would say it uh, takes a number of years to get really healthy, productive soil, a soil that's balanced, uh, not in terms of nutrients. Um, I think that's the problem with the focus. We say, oh, do you have potassium? Do you have nitrogen? Do you have uh, phosphorus? Do you have all these things you're supposed to have? And uh, that's the wrong focus. Uh, the question should be, is the soil healthy? is it alive? Is it teeming with life? Is it full of living organisms? Um, And are you feeding that? So are you feeding the things that are in that soil? Because if you do that, the balance of all those other uh, minerals and nutrients, it'll just take care of itself. I I, I guarantee, I guarantee, the garden will, all that other stuff will take care of itself if you're feeding the soil. And I'm, I'm saying the soil, I'm not talking about the dirt particles. I'm talking about the things that live in there. You'll hear permaculture uh, gurus say the the community or this uh, soil food web or all these different terminologies. The simplest way to put it is there's there's hundreds, thousands of living things in your soil and all of those living things, uh, their activity, their movement, as well as their eating and, you know, <laughs> excreting of, uh, you know, byproducts of what they ate, uh, that activity is what charges the soil up and benefits the plants. Um, when they move around, they create little tiny tunnels, and those tunnels give your the roots of your plants uh, a place to go. And, of course, when they eat the uh, rotting plant matter uh, in your soil, they poop or whoopee or whatever they do, And that is ideal, perfectly suited, can't get any better, uh, uh, manure, basically. It's insect manure, right? Microorganism manure. But that is exactly, and it always happens in exactly the right way to benefit your soil to the best possible extent. Um, So, you know, if you think about it, if you go and buy a bag of of garden soil or or, um, you know, uh, that that kind of black soil you can buy with the little white things in it. Um, you use that uh, for growing transplants in the spring in your house. I don't do this anymore, but I used to. And you put it in a little cup and you put some water in it. And uh, it might get a little bit of white fungus on the top after a number of weeks, depending on how humid it is in the environment where you're growing your transplants. But relatively speaking, it, it's fairly unproblematic um, and contrast that with, and I've tried this, I've gone out into my compost pile and screened my own potting soil and then used that to grow transplants indoors and within days it's covered in mold and mildew and all kinds of stuff And because that that, that soil is actually alive whereas the soil that you buy in the store, it's to a large extent fairly sterile. Um, so you're not, star- if you use that soil To build your garden you're not starting with life you're starting the soil you're starting the garden in a dead state and uh, if you're lucky over time it'll come to life right if you add manure to that and just organisms from the surrounding area sort of move in as you've got different uh, decaying plant matter and so on so over time um, if you're lucky that dead lifeless soil will begin to develop its own community of microorganisms and and uh, organisms to uh, improve it over time. So that's why I'm saying you can't really buy a garden because what you're buying is not the, the product you need. If you go to the store and you buy the bags, you're not buying the product you need. You're buying something that's being sold to you is what you need, but it's not what you need to have a good garden, especially if you're um, excited or uh, recently become interested in being a permaculture gardener or a no-till gardener, all that sort of stuff. The only reason no-till works is because the tilling is being done by those organisms, the worms and the different bugs and all those other things that are in there. Uh, and you don't have to fertilize these no-till, permaculture, back to Eden, whatever the terminology you're going to use to speak to that approach. Um, a Ruth start Garden, you don't have to fertilize it because you're, you're constantly putting layers of uh, uh, rotting plant matter, whether it's hay or uh, rameo wood chips or seaweed or leaves or whatever you're putting on top of there, you're putting those layers of, of that stuff on top every year and because the soil has so much life in it, the life that's in the soil, the different organisms, they feed on that and create um, their own little sort of tiny bug manures, and that feeds uh, your plants, right? It's, it's You're feeding the things that are in the soil, and those things that are in the soil are what ends up creating the, uh, uh, the nutritional balance that benefits your plants. I don't ever have to where I've never measured my soil. Uh, if you look at my videos or whatever, I've usually have a pretty good garden. I certainly had a hell of a good garden this year. Didn't use any fertilizer or anything. I also didn't water it um, after uh, oh, from about July onward. I turned the hose off. I didn't need it. All my all my seedlings were up and everything was doing fine. Um, the other thing about having a no-till garden with a heavy mulch system is that. Uh, it seems to hold on to water better than gardens that are perpetually tilled up. Just the the soil is just in a different sort of state. It seems to hold moisture, retain moisture, hang on to it. I don't know if you've ever seen this phenomenon with bare earth, but if you've got bare earth and no mulch, and it's been dry for let's say let's say the sun's been beating on it in a week, and if you pour a bucket of water on it, the water will roll across the top. Um, and it won't even penetrate. You know, roll, let's say you've got a garden like that that's on a bit of a slope. If you pour that bucket of water on top of that garden, the bare earth garden, it'll roll right down the garden and off the side. And you poke your finger down, you realize uh, the water might have gone a quarter inch deep. It didn't penetrate the soil at all. There's something about tilling soil that gives it this bizarre, uh, you know, I'm not going to bother going to the science of it, but it sort of gets this bizarre, sort of waterproof quality. Uh, When you've got a mulch on there perpetually, that isn't a problem. Mulch is absorbent, and the top layer of soil is in a constantly moist uh, state, so it remains absorbent. Anyway, so that's why you can't buy a garden, and you can't buy an instant garden. But I thought I'd spend the rest of today's episode uh, speaking to... Well, you say, well, Greg, what do I do? I want an instant garden. I want... (laughs) You I want uh, I want uh, great solutions. I uh, you know solve this for me. Um, so here was what I would propose you do, and I'm, I'm planning to shoot a video um, sometime uh, in the next few days where I do this. Um, you can you can do the hoga culture approach is very labor intensive. It takes about two hours to make a hoga culture garden. I'm talking when, when I use the word garden, I'm speaking to a plot that's let's say four by eight, right? And I like Dividing gardens up into plots like that because um, it, it compartmentalizes the effort if you if you're, you know if you want to get into gardening maybe this fall you build a couple of those plots and see how that goes And then next fall you build a couple more and so on and so forth So you can gradually get into gardening and gradually grow the size of your garden as you become more proficient and, and you know more familiar with uh, the approach. Um, and it's a manageable size, you don't need a lot of materials, and, and the task is not overwhelming, right, because you can, you can go out, um, you can build a hogaculture garden, which is uh, quite labor-intensive. I've got a video up on YouTube on how to do that, I put up recently. Uh, a hogaculture garden, you, you dig the soil up about a foot deep, you throw a bunch of rotten wooden leaves and stuff like that in the hole, and then the soil that came out, you put back on top, and you plant in that soil. Um, that's quite labor intensive, but man, you get an incredible garden out of that because all that buried rotten wood uh, becomes like a sponge. It gets more and more spongy over time, just the way wood gets when it rots. It, it ch- the texture changes and it becomes water absorbent. So you've got this underneath the garden, you've got this core of moisture retaining, uh, not only moisture retaining, but organism harboring uh, uh, area, right? It just um, it, you create an ideal environment for worms and all the different things that improve uh, soil conditions. I've got two. I, this summer I had two beds that I built like that, and I grew potatoes in them, and they were the biggest, best potatoes I ever grew in my life. Uh, and when you build it that way, it really, all you got to do is mulch it every year, and um, it remains highly productive for up to, up to 10 years. Um, but that's a bit more labor-intensive. What about uh, a kind of garden you can throw together in, like, uh, half an hour or so? Uh, so that's what I'm going to talk about for the remainder of this show. Uh, and I'm going to do one of these, as I mentioned, uh, maybe today or sometime this week. Um, so whether you have some sort of border around it is up to you. I, li- I like to have a border. Um, I just, uh, it, it helps prevent weeds from migrating in if your garden is surrounded in uh, grass or whatever, like a lot of people a uh, situation is. It's good to put some sort of uh, border. You don't need to go high though, six inches high is all you need to go. So you can get uh, some two by sixes, or you can, what I tend to use, is just dead, dead trees. Uh, if you live in a neighborhood where there's uh, trees, uh, there's always uh, trees coming down or dead trees. Um, if you're able to source dead trees, that's the best thing to use because they don't cost anything and the other thing about dead trees um, logs or what have you is uh, the more dead they get and the more rotten they get the more moisture they hold so the, the literally the the walls around your garden become a moisture retention element of the garden design which is another bonus um, and d- dead trees just make so much sense because um they're free I mean everything you if you're going to use wood to border a garden it's gonna rot <laughs> so you I wouldn't pay for that wood if I was you unless unless the appearance is very very important to you and and for that matter I wouldn't use a uh, uh, pressure treated womanized green stuff because of course it's full of toxins and so on um, so if you're gonna buy wood just if that's what you've got access to just get just plain you know spruce or whatever in your area whatever the cheapest wood is it should hold together for about 10 years anyway. You'd be surprised how long stuff lasts. Because uh, even when it's rotting, it still holds up. So if you've got that sort of box, you're going to screw that together. But um, if you're using dead logs, um, I just peg them into the ground. You just put pegs around the perimeter of where that garden is going to be. And then you just throw the logs down. And, and then you go to work on the on the middle. Um, You'll see in my video how I do that, it's it's unbelievably simple, um, and you would be surprised how how sturdy it is and how sturdy it becomes over time, because the logs sort of just grow into where you put them. Um, Anyway, so you you establish that geometry, the space where the garden's going to go, and you put down... The wood or the logs or whatever you could even use uh, rocks if you can get if that's what's available to you, use rocks or what, whatever you can conceive of old bricks whatever or or nothing you don't even need to use anything if, if you don't want to use anything if you um, and then what you need to do in that area let's say it's a four by eight area it doesn't have to be but if you're building a garden I, I wouldn't make it you want to be able to reach across it so I like that four by eight space because eight feet is not too long to walk around. And four feet, you can reach—you know—you can reach the mitt in the middle from either side because most people can reach about two feet. I, I can reach about three feet. Um, I'm very tall, but um, but it's it's a bit of a strain. So I mean, uh, it's just a good simple design. and It's not so big that it's a huge project. Um, so now you've got your uh, some sort of border laid down, and in the middle. Um, you've got all this grass or weeds or whatever the existing condition was in that soil and so we're just going to use the existing soil and a a couple inputs that you can get for free if you know where to look so first thing you're going to do is in the middle of that garden you're going to dig everything up okay you're going to dig up about from 6 to 8 inches of the soil up, dig it up and what you're gonna do dig it up and put it in buckets or dig it up and put it on top of a tarp or something like that and what you want to do is shake all the soil loose from whatever weeds were growing in that so separate the weeds from the uh, there's lots of different ways to do this but in my opinion this is the easiest Um, there's another way to do it too uh, I'll explain later Um, anyway dig all that up separate the plants and their roots from the actual soil so you've got two piles now, a bunch of weeds and plants and roots and sort of organic matter, and all the soil that came out of all of that, okay? So then, so now you've got a hole, like a shallow grave sort of thing inside your box, and you've got two piles, weeds and a bunch of soil. And that's going to be fairly good soil because it's, it's just had grass growing on it or weeds growing on it. It's basically, if you think about that, it's been on a field that's lied, fa- lied fallow. So it should be, if there's stuff growing in that soil, it's reasonably good soil. Um all, you know, all things being equal so uh, what you do next is you take all those weeds that you separated from um, the, the soil and throw them in the hole the next thing you do is you source some uh, I say horse manure any kind of manure will do but horse manure is usually free um, um, any horse stable would be glad to let you take, take some away so for an area like that, you'd need, oh, two good-sized buckets. Um, two, like a, what kind of bucket? Like a, uh, something about the size of, a, twice the size of a laundry basket. Um, so like four laundry baskets worth of manure, maybe a little bit more. Or to put it another way, this is a simpler measure, two wheelbarrow fulls, okay? So you take two wheelbarrow fulls of manure and dump them on top of the weeds. And then you take all that soil that you separated from the weeds and put that on top. And the reason you do it in that order is because whatever weed seeds are in that manure, very few of them will be able to come through that soil because you're putting about four inches of soil on top of the manure. Um, if you want to really play it safe, you could put some paper on top of the manure and then put the Um, the soil down, but uh, the existing soil down, but I I haven't found that to be a problem. So now you've got the three layers, weeds, manure, and soil, the existing soil. And do this in the fall, do it this time of year when it's nice and cold outside, and I'll tell you why in a second. So after you've done all that, what you wanna do is cover that entire garden with a generous mulch, like I'm talking a foot. If you're doing this in the fall, you wanna put like a foot deep of mulch over that. Um, If if you're using uh, uh, grass clippings, uh, you don't have to go quite that deep, um, maybe uh, six inches. If you're using leaves, I'd say six inches is okay. If you're using hay, at least a foot, because hay really breaks down. You'd be surprised how much hay just goes down and seems to disappear. It disappears because everything that's in the soil loves eating dead grass, right? Because it was a grass ecosystem before you turned it into a garden. so um, uh, spoiled hay you can usually also source at horse tables, and usually that is just being thrown away on the manure pile as well, and it tends to be all charged up with horse pee and all that other stuff. So it's a great resource. Um, but you cover that with um, the mulch, and then you just leave it all winter long. So what have you done? You've, you've basically created a compost pile, right? You've got weeds on the bottom. You put them at the very bottom just so that they are very unlikely to find their way and grow through all that unless they're incredibly bad invasive weeds. Um, but I'm not speaking. I'm speaking to the situation where you have a regular sort of field, but just like clover and timothy and grasses and things like that. Um, and then you've got a whole bunch of horse manure. And I'm saying when you when you get your horse manure, um, don't worry about being aged or anything like that. It can it can be two weeks old, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter because it's going to be sitting there all winter. You put the the weeds down, you put the horse manure down, you put the soil down, and then you cover it it, with a blanket of mulch. And really, that blanket is supposed to keep it relatively warm. If you do it this time of year in November, it should compost, uh, you know, it it should create some heat and should do a bit of composting. It depends on where you live and how cold it is. Um, But it should, you know, um, compost somewhat uh, before everything freezes up because you've got that big layer of mulch over top it's sort of holding the heat in. Um, and then even next spring, even let's say all that horse manure down below hasn't composted, uh, once it h- hits a certain temperature outside, that compost is gonna start to warm up and it's gonna warm the soil that's above it and give you a head start in the spring, right? Because the compost will be uh, active and, and, and uh, it'll just create like its own heat. Uh, And by the time the roots of the plants that you put in there in the spring get down deep enough to touch that manure, it'll be broken down. If it's horse manure, it'll be totally fine. It'll be broken down fine. And on top of all of that, it'll be like this incredible nutrient treasure trove for those plants. So um, you won't have to worry about uh, doing any sort of fertilization or anything like that. So anyway, that's, in my opinion, the best way to go about building a really good garden because you're, you're setting it up to have all the conditions that favor the, the organisms that improve soil. Um, you're not buying anything. You're using your existing soil, which already has organisms. It's already alive, right, unless, <laughs> unless, unless your backyard is just like a desert. But if you're using existing soil and it's already got weeds and stuff growing in it, it's already a a living system, and if it's got weeds growing in it, it probably hasn't been tilled for a long time either, so it's probably, you know, fairly good, you know, fairly good. And even if it isn't the the best soil with the best nutrients, the fact that you've put it over top of a whole bunch of manure and rotting plant matter, um, all the worms and all those sorts of things will, will just develop that soil into uh, ideal soil in a very short order. Um, and you're going to keep mulching that, so you're going to be applying nutrition on top all the time. Um, so you're going to continue to feed those organisms, and it'll just get better and better and better over time. And I think you'll find if you try that and do it this fall, because um, it just makes sense. Why? I mean, you're, you're just giving, why do it in the fall? So the garden has that much, the soil in the garden has that much more time to get established, to start becoming... Um, that, uh, that sort of uh, that community of living organisms that uh, you're giving it more time to set itself up to be the kind of environment that uh, perpetually produces good soil, healthy soil. So that's why you'd want to do it in the fall. Aside from the fact that it's just it's going to make next spring easier because you'll be that much more ahead of the game. All you got to do is plant. Or you just move the malt back and put some seeds down, or if you've got transplants, you just plug them in and um, move the mulch back around them. So that's the uh, that's the idea. That's the idea of, for me, the quickest. And, you know, if you're industrious and all that sort of thing, that should be, uh, notwithstanding building the whatever kind of box or frame or border you're going to have, if, if that's important to you. Um, but the rest of the work, that whole thing takes about half an hour. know maybe even less depends on if you get some help even less Um, but it shouldn't take long Um, and you know if you're if you're strategic with uh, sourcing the different components that you can make that all happen for free so not only can you not buy a good garden but um, know that that's saying the best things in life are free Um, the best gardens (laughs) are developed for free and I've got this theory uh, mentality I use in my, uh, my own uh, backyard where my garden always has to give back more than I put in. I always get more food and the value of the food I get out of my garden is always greater than the value of the uh expenses i don't value my time because i just consider that exercise i'm out there getting exercise and fresh air and it's good uh good for me uh psychologically and it's cheaper than a therapist (laughs) um so i don't i don't put a value on the time because no one would be paying for me for that you know if it's a saturday afternoon at three in the afternoon no one's paying me that time of the week anyway right it's my time and that's how i enjoy spending it um but the garden always gives me back more than way more than i put in i get Probably a, thousand, a couple, a thousand or a couple thousand dollars worth of food out of my garden every year. Um, I have to sit down and do the math on that, but uh, at least a thousand dollars worth of food. It's got to be more than that. Um, anyway, I get a, I get good value out of my garden, and I, you know, last year I might have put twenty, thirty dollars into my garden um, in terms of uh, you know seeds and a couple different things like that. Um, so uh, yeah, it's you know you always get back more. Um, An even easier way to build a garden, uh, I don't find it's quite as good, but it can work work well, is similar sort of thing, except um, instead of, uh, this is even easier, um, instead of digging up the existing soil, um, you make your box, you put some heavy paper like those leaf bag, that sort of paper, you put that paper down over the existing weeds, and you fill the box with manure, two wheelbarrowfuls at least of uh, horse manure, and then you put uh, heavy paper over the manure, like that leaf bag paper, and then cover the whole thing with hay. And then next uh, spring, when you want to plant, um, you just uh, if the paper's still there. <laughs> if the paper hasn't broken down, uh, you just you just cut slits or holes in the paper to put your plants in. Um, and if the paper isn't there, you, you want to pull the mulch off because it, it's gonna grow weeds because it's raw horse manure. So you Just pull the mulch off. Uh, If you're using horse manure, you're probably gonna be using uh, spoiled hay. And put another layer of paper over that whole garden and put the mulch back to hold the paper down from blowing away. And just either cut lines in the paper to put the seeds down in rows, or cut holes to pop your transplants in. Or if you're planting things like squash where you'd only have one or two every couple feet anyway, you just cut a little hole in there and put that seed in. And that way all the weeds uh, that are in that manure Um, they'll try to grow, but they'll hit that paper and and they'll die long before the paper breaks down and and rots. So uh, that's the idea, and uh, uh, give it a try. If you haven't tried that before, uh, I've spoken to many of these uh, approaches um, uh, in previous shows, but not with this particular focus on You've got no garden, you want a garden, but you want a good garden. You don't want some poor substitute, poor facsimile of a garden. You want to build really good soil, but you don't want to take five years to do it. (laughs) If you watch uh, some of these uh, uh, permaculture gurus, they create the impression that all you need to do is throw down a pile of mulch, and then after a year you can push the mulch back and you'll have this incredible soil underneath the mulch. Um, And and perhaps that's possible um, in certain locations or certain parts of the world or whatever, but I I have personally tried that. And uh, if you're just gonna mulch soil, it's not, if if, if you're starting with soil, it's not very good. Um, Throwing a mulch on it will take years to develop it into good soil. Um, So uh, for the initial building of the garden, you give it that huge injection of horse manure. Um, because it's just full of nutrients. It's full of organic matter. It's uh, Especially if you're using relatively fresh stuff, it's hot. So it gets everything going, gets everything happening. attracts all the living, you know, the world. And everything's drawn to it because it's such a great place to, you know, have a good meal from a microorganism point of view. Um, and it just gets everything going the way you want everything to go. So uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. So this is our... 51st episode i'm really happy that people if, you're, if you stayed with me in the absence of dave uh, that's great i'm happy to say uh, we've got about 500 subscribers on the youtube is not viable by any stretch of the imagination but you consider i had less than 50 this time of year that's i'm really happy with uh, that and something like 40,000 views lots of facebook followers and uh, a lot of people participating in the Online discussions and so on. So that's all great stuff. And there's people from all over the world basically uh, uh, tuning in to uh, compare notes and share experiences. So that's just uh, uh, great stuff. And I'm really grateful for uh, the continued uh, uh, listenership and viewership. So uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Hope that was helpful. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Uh, thanks for listening.